Let the congregation please stand and face the procession. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God of all mercy and consolation, come to the help of your people, turning us from our sin to live for you alone. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit, that we may confess our sin, receive your forgiveness, and grow into the fullness of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us. And for his sake, God forgives us all of our sin. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. Eternal God, you draw near to us in Christ, and you make yourself our guest. Amid the cares of our lives, make us attentive to your presence, that we may treasure your word above all else. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen.
A reading from Genesis. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre. As he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day, he looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, my Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant, who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where is your wife, Sarah? And he said, there in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. The word of the Lord. reading from Colossians. Christ Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. 
he himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of the cross. And you, who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his fleshy body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him, provided that you continue securely established and steadfast in the faith, without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you have heard, which has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. I, Paul, became a servant of this gospel. I am now rejoicing in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am completing what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. I became its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of the God fully known. The mystery that has been hidden throughout the ages and generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is he whom we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Now as Jesus and his disciples went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Jesus said to Martha, there is need of only one thing, and Mary 
has chosen the better part. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. According to the Gospels, Jesus was a frequent visitor to their home, the home of Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. They lived in Bethany. It's just a little skip over a hill from Jerusalem. Jerusalem here, Mount of Olives, next hill over is Bethany. In fact, it's hard to find any place in the Gospels where Jesus seemed to find more comfort and solace than when he visited the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Except on this one occasion, Jesus sort of gets into it with one of the sisters. Martha is working. She's working hard to prepare a meal, to clean the house, to get water, to go to the market, to do one of the myriad of things that she needed to do in order to keep her house up in the first century. Her sister Mary, on the other hand, is doing a big fat nothing. Well, not nothing. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him. And so, understandably, and by the way, I got a lot of Martha in me, by the way, just in case you haven't noticed. Martha is a little put out and asks for some help from Jesus. Mr. Messiah, could you maybe ask my sister to pitch in her a little bit around here? I'm running around here like a chicken with my head cut off. She's sitting there like a couch potato doing nothing. It's interesting that Luke describes Martha as, quote, distracted by her many tasks. But Jesus decides not to help Martha out. He knows there's a lot to be done, but sometimes he wants his disciples to set down what they're doing and to take up what he's doing. Sometimes Jesus encourages those who follow him to rest, to stop, to pause their worlds of busyness and focus instead on the life of faith and listen to what it is that Jesus would have us do. This week here, we announced a big change for our fall programming at Prince of Peace. I know, change <laughs> sort of gives you the willies down your back, doesn't it? Doing something different. I, I'm Lutheran, so I, I know it's hard. But we're going to be adjusting our worship and education program for the fall. And I know that Jesus and his disciples originally set this program, so it's hard for us to change it. But on Sunday mornings, we will go from three services to two. Beginning on September 11th, we will make that adjustment. Two worship services, the same services we're having now, 9 a.m. and 10.30, with the Sunday school hour at 9 a.m. The 5.30 Saturday service will continue as it normally is, although we might add some fellowship opportunities for them. But on Sunday morning, we're going to worship at 9 a.m. and 10.30 with the education hour only up through fifth grade at 9 a.m. Now, why did we decide to do that? Why don't we just have two services of education in the middle or go back to the three services? Come on. I did ask your input on all of this, by the way, so it's partly your fault that we've chosen this new schedule. 
I got a lot of responses on what we should do with the worship service, and I compiled them. So actually, the new schedule that you all proposed would be a 4.30 service on Sunday afternoon, 7 o'clock on Wednesday and Thursday, 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock on Saturday night, and 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. I thought that might be a little much, though, so we pared it down from there. One of the reasons in staff and council that we've talked about for changing the schedule, at least from my point of view, is that I think we need to spend a little more time sitting at the feet of Jesus. I have felt for some time that the Sunday morning schedule has been a little bit hectic for the staff, running from thing to thing. After COVID, the 930 service is now the largest, and you only ever get one pastor because we're off doing something else, and then we've got this service coming out. Where are the acolytes? Here we go. So we're going to slow down. We realize that maybe we can do adult education not just on Sunday morning, but throughout the week. In fact, maybe we can do it better throughout the week. So that's what we're going to do. So except for our youngest members, Sunday morning is going to be for worship. And yes, then I hope the young ones will be part of worship. Go to Sunday school at 9 o'clock, then come to church as a family at 10.30. Works out great. I want more families worshiping together. I want fuller experiences for all of us at worship. With the advent of our online worship, by the way, in which on Sunday morning, I'm waving to them now, we have about 125 people joining us on Sunday mornings through our online worship. Just think if they were here. And the ELCA asks us to count them as two, right? Because it could be a family of four or six or one. They said it's about 250 more people. Think how that would feel here in church this morning. But I also want us here at this place to be more fully joined together in liturgy and song. Yes, on festival days, we'll need more services, but week in and week out, post-COVID, it has sometimes felt a little too roomy in here. But here's the deal. We're not just going to ask you to sit at the feet of Jesus for worship. We're also going to ask you this upcoming year to study God's word together as a whole congregation. Beginning on September 11th, we're going to ask every person in our congregation, confirmation through adults, to join us in reading the book, The Story. The story, which will soon be available for all of you, is a 31-week read-through of the Bible. Now, it's not the whole Bible. It's a little bit like the Cliff Notes version. But it will carry us into the depth and breadth of Holy Scripture, perhaps in a ways we haven't done it before. And all of us are going to be reading and talking about it. The pastoral staff will provide weekly discussion questions and Bible helps. We are going to try to use every available group, Bible study, confirmation class, Zoom meeting, and informal gathering to discuss the richness of God's Word. We're not going to do a thousand things. We're going to do this one thing together as a church to understand how the Word of God that shapes and forms everything we do can make a difference in our lives. We simply are falling up against a Christian congregation like ours that does not know the ancient stories of faith, or at least has a very cursory understanding of them. 
But once we spend a year together reading God's story, the words of Jesus are suddenly going to make a a lot more sense because he says them against the background of Old Testament prophecy. Our sermons that we give will suddenly become crystal clear. Oh, that's what they meant. You will be able on your front porch step to debate any Mormon that happens to just come by there and try to challenge you. And any politician who says to you, this is what the Bible says, you can say, hey, 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 not so fast. My Bible doesn't say that. The year of reading the Bible together will be a tool for you to use, I hope, throughout your life. And sometimes, you know, when we read the Bible, it's going to surprise us. Some of what's in there is going to frighten us, bother us, challenge us. But I hope it also inspires all of us to understand how the Word of God can undergird our lives. I have long been preaching and concerned about the busyness of our society. We are simply doing too many things and bowing to too many other agendas. And by the way, this is reflected in our children. Why is it that the children today, who arguably have more than they've ever had in the history of civilization, are more stressed out than ever? There are more children now on prescription medicines to deal with their concerns over mental illness and mental health than ever before in our country. How is that? One thing is needful. One thing, Jesus says, is needful, and it will not be taken away from her. She can sit at my feet as long as she wants. I often say that I've often wondered what happens next in this story. Martha asks Christ for his help with Mary. Jesus says, lay off, she's doing fine. That's all we get. The story ends there. Jesus telling Martha to settle down. Mary's chosen the better way. It's the end of the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. If you're reading along in the Gospel of Luke, next comes Jesus teaching the disciples the Lord's Prayer. There's nothing more said. And in the Gospel of Luke, actually, Martha and Mary never appear again. So what actually happened after Martha has this encounter with Jesus? Does she, in fact, take off her apron and sit down and listen to Jesus? Does she just roll her eyes and storm back into the kitchen? Does she smack Mary on the top of the head and said, you've had enough Messiah time today. Get up and help me. We don't know. Luke never tells us. But it's curious to me that in the Gospel of John, it is Martha, not Mary, who first runs out to greet Jesus when he comes to see and mourn with them over the loss of their brother, Lazarus. The Gospel of John says that uh, Martha leaves Mary back home, and she runs and bows at the feet of Jesus and says those famous words, Lord, 
If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, a lot of people take those words as sort of Martha being angry. What it's, a, it's actually a statement of faith on Martha's part. What if what she's saying to Jesus is, you are the Savior of the world. I trust fully in you, and I know you can do absolutely anything, including raising the dead to new life. What if that's what she's saying? And if that's what she's saying, I don't think she stormed back into the kitchen. I think she spent some time at the feet of Jesus to learn about trust and hope and faith and a future together with God. I think too often Martha gets a bad rap and is someone who, like the biblical Martha, likes to have things in order and do stuff and is always running around. I don't like that Jesus scolds her at all. But I believe that she sat down at the feet of Jesus and from that day on began to learn from him and became a person of faith. So, we're going to change some things here at Prince of Peace come the fall. The worship times that were originally established by God himself at creation are going to be altered. I'm not sure exactly how that will all go. But I can assure you this, if starting in September through May of 2023, you and your family are committed to worshiping with us and reading God's Word, your lives will be changed. Faith doesn't just happen. Faith is a process. Faith is a journey. And we're about to begin it together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Let us confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always. And also Let us share that peace with one another. We invite you to be seated at this time for a couple of announcements. Welcome our service of worship. If you're visiting with us for the first time, there's a little thing you can fill out there in the pew and let us know of your attendance here and allow us to welcome you into our church community. And a special welcome to those who are visiting us online uh, today as well. There's a number of things for your, for your attention in our fellowship hall. 
many years we have been collecting school items for Lutheran World Relief. We are doing that again through backpacks there. You can either pick up a backpack and fill it with the items, or you can make a donation and we'll buy the items and fill the backpack. The important thing is there, if you are buying items, we ask you to buy the things that are on the list because we have a very specific way that we're sorting it. We don't want anybody to get really fat, beautiful pencils and someone to get ugly golf pencils. You with me on this? We want the same things in each packet. So Lutheran World Relief, the school kits are going on in the Fellowship Hall. This is also our, our month to celebrate the Dublin Food Pantry. Of course, we support them throughout the year, but we are particularly asking you to bring items to the Dublin Food Pantry. They especially need peanut butter, always peanut butter, and also canned fruit. Uh, Pastor Tim had a great idea last week. If you don't do this, when you go to the grocery, just get a couple of extra things. Put them on the side of your pantry. Next time you come to church, bring them. And just make a habit of that, of generosity for people in need. And then also coming up the week of August 19th is our annual closet cause. It hasn't been very annual lately because of COVID, but we are doing it again this year, and we need lots of your support. So there's sign-up sheets in the fellowship hall. Uh, there's a display there telling you all about what's needed, how you can help out. But it will be the sale will be on Friday, August 19th. So it's with that week before uh, when we need the help. We're also asking you this year not to bring in any items until the Monday before. All right, so we don't have to trip on them here on Sunday mornings. So the Monday before we'll be collecting items. The sale day is August 19th, and the cause this year. Uh, Global Mission is still functioning. They're going to be doing their own thing separately. But the cause this year is called Choices. That's the domestic violence uh, center here uh, run by Lutheran Social Services. They'll be the recipients of the funds this year. So help out with Closet Cause coming up in August. And then finally, we invite your prayers for Pastor Tim and the high school youth group and Jamie Snodgrass, who is on that trip as well. Uh, they're making their way to Nashville for a mission trip. Last night, they slept over at a church in Louisville on air mattresses. This is why we have a younger pastor at the church and not Pastor John. I'm sure they had a wonderful time. I would not be walking much after that, uh, but uh, pre please pray for them. They're going to be serving some communities in Nashville uh, throughout the week, and we'll pray for their safe arrival and for Pastor Tim and Jamie to get some sleep when they get back uh, next. I think they're getting back on Friday, late Friday night. So pray for them on the mission trip. Other items are in the peace signs. Take a look at things there. But we now continue our service of worship with the offering.
Holy God, our maker, redeemer, and healer, in the harmonious world of your creation, the plants and animals, the seas and stars were whole and well in your praise. When sin had scarred the world, you sent your Son to heal our ills and to form us again into one. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. He gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks and he gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering, therefore, his acts of healing, his body given up, and his victory over death, we await that day when all the peoples of the earth will come to the river to enjoy the tree of life. Send your spirit upon us and this meal as grains scattered on the hillside become one bread. So let your church be gathered from the ends of the earth that all may be fed with the bread of life, your Son. Through him, all glory and honor is yours, Almighty Father, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, both now and forever. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come.
life-giving God, through this meal you have bandaged our wounds and fed us with your mercy. Now send us forth to live for others, both friend and stranger, that all may come to your love. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. The God of peace, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you and comfort you and keep you on the right path this day and always. Amen. <laughs>